0: Welcome back to the Watson an Old Podcast. I'm Susie Edge, medical doctor and historian, and I'm just fascinated by how we've treated the human body in life and in death, but let's face it, mostly in death. So what have we been up to this week? Well, on TikTok, we've been talking about Charles I's head and Henry VIII's finger. We've talked about the problems of accidentally putting in the wrong search terms on Google. I went to a local history club talk on Sunday night. That was all about the local Jacobites. That was quite interesting. Lots of information, but the the speaker was so fun and charismatic and gave us loads of chat about the local Jacobites. So that was quite fun. I might just make some more Jacobite content on TikTok because I know people really like that stuff, as do I. Sometimes people think that they're Ancestors fought for the Jacobites, and it turns out that they were on the side of the crown. I think that's actually what happened to my MacDougals, although I'm not sure. I think they were, I think they were split up a bit. This week on the podcast, this is episode nine of the podcast. It is time for a history club week. So, I had a wonderful chat with Sonia Alves, who's a professional genealogist in the U.S. Red Sonica on TikTok. If you're looking for her on there, R-E-D S-O-N-I-K you know what? Enthusiasm is infectious and <laughs> she's infecting everyone with her enthusiasm, her wonderful knowledge of genealogy, the highs and lows of research. We talked about ancestry, DNA, what can go wrong uh, and how we're all descendants of Elizabeth I as well. Before we go into that, I really need to thank my supporters over on Patreon. Debbie Potts joined us this week. And as ever, I'm hugely grateful for you guys being there and helping me to do this. I honestly don't find it easy and I don't believe anyone that says (laughs) that they do. Uh, But the book is taking shape. Gosh, it's hard. Uh, it's really fun, though. I keep having to pinch myself that we're actually doing this. I was pinching myself as well after such a great chat with with, uh, with Sonia Alves. She has a business based in the US and is helping people all over the place. So if you hang around to the end, I'll let you know where you can get hold of her and also where you can get hold of me. So here we go. And should we go for it? Sure. What's Let's back? go for it. OK, Sonia, welcome to the Watson All History Club. First question has to be what are you mm-hmm. drinking cuz I did this before with Melissa Ratl- <laughs> Ratliff and never turned up with a drink so um yeah I didn't
1: turn up with a drink Socking. i didn't i didn't get one i think i have i have an empty child's water bottle so <laughs> i don't even have a water bottle um but i came straight from school pickups so, or drop off so it was just drop the children off and set up zoom so I didn't I didn't have time to grab a drink but if I had one it would be green tea that is my go-to
0: fair enough well thank you for jumping on so early in the morning it's lunchtime here but I think you're you're a little bit (laughs) earlier in the day
1: I'm early but that's the best for me because I have no children so that's that's what works best
0: but I did manage to remember to bring a coffee this time. It is a bit of a dull decaf, but uh, at least I have something. So I managed it that time. <laughs> what have you been up to lately?
1: Um, working a lot, so much. Um, I have, oh my gosh, I have five clients right now. I have another schedule to start soon, three in November, um, very extensive wait list. So I am just up to my eyeballs in it. I have the aforementioned children, Mm -hmm. two of them, boy and a girl. Um, They are 10 and 7. So we have the, and I am home with them. You know, I work from home. So we have the typical school, pickup, drop off. Um, They swim My 10-year-old is starting honors choir today. So then it will be entertaining the seven-year-old while he has rehearsal. You know, typical mom stuff. It's never ending. Never (laughs) ending. Never ending. And, of course, just when, you know, I am so busy, somebody like yesterday, my son had to stay home just because he had a little old. So it's just like, you know, you try to get into a routine and with children, somebody just does something and you're like, really today? Really? Today.
0: I know that, that feeling so sense. well. Mine, are, mine go off on the bus to school, but quite often they'll have activities or something will happen and I have to go and get them. So it takes an hour to get to school. So yeah, yeah that's it. That's, you know, if I have to go get them, that's the afternoon gone. So yeah. Well, my,
1: I mean, I did the math and it's not a really long drive but um when i have to go pick them up i have to park and there's a gap in the time between when the little one gets out and when the big one gets out and so that takes longer than dropping them off in the morning and so the total amount of time that i spend with transportation is three hours a day (laughs) i was like no wonder i never get in you have don't great wonder, plans. and No wonder yeah. it just feels like I never get anything mm.
0: done. So. I'm doing a lot of listening to podcasts and trying to think about what I'm going to do next every time I'm yeah. in the car driving yeah. about. What's next? What's next? What's next? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I totally get that. So when they're off at school and you're sitting down to work, most of the, the briefs from clients, what are they looking for? Are they looking for you to go as far back as you can or are they looking for something particularly or what is it that you're doing? Well,
1: what I do, what I do, my business is very, um, unique in the genealogy world. What I do for my clients is I make family books, um, which means that I research one branch of the family, which means like one surname, you know, like your dad's family or your mom's family, you know, just one, um, branch of the family. And I do go as far back on that one line as I can. And then what I do is I write a narrative history of that mm-hmm. branch um, with as much information about the family as I can find, but it also as much local history about the place that they lived in the time period, what was going on then. Um, and I write it, um, I write it up i am now showing you a book but of course the podcast listeners can't see it this is one i did for my own family goodness me so i will write it up and i include like the family lineage i include a lot of photos i include original documents um and things like that um and nobody else does them
0: what nobody. a wonderful treasure to have what a wonderful gift yeah actually yeah I can yeah. imagine my uh, my parents my mother-in-law being really into to yeah, having something yeah
1: and so no one else does them but they are a ton of work because not only am I researching your family but like right now I'm working on three books right now I'm in the writing stage on one and the background research stage on two which means I finished the family research and now I'm researching like the background which means for one of them I am doing research on the holocaust on one I am reading the entire history of Mexico I mean I'm reading so much actual history in addition to the family research so it's, it's a, it is so much work. Um, but the final product is really satisfying. And my clients have thus far all been very happy with them. I haven't had anyone complain yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there, there might be a first, but no one's complained yet. That's primarily my business. You know, I do have occasionally someone who just wants a family tree, who just wants, you know, name states. Just mm-hmm. and of course, I, I mean, I can do that. The books are primarily what I do for people because, um, like I say, nobody else does them. I love that. Um, they look you, so special. Yeah, you can. I because before I started the business, I researched because I had the idea for these books and I researched do other people do them? Mm-hmm. And no, you can get a similar product from Ancestry for much, much, much more than what I charge, or legacy books made, and those are all a little less personal, and they're yeah. all thousands yeah. and thousands of dollars. Yes. So what I make is much more personal, and um, not ten thousand dollars. <laughs> so Sam.
0: I I can see why. But I'd really like to ask what got you into genealogy, becoming professional genealogist, because I have, uh, as a hospital doctor, I wrote my fair share of death certificates a lot yes as a junior doctor you write a lot of them and every time I've written one I've thought every every single one I've written it I imagine somebody looking back at it in a couple of hundred years and and then saying, what 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 did she mean by that you know and um
1: I do love the idea I have read some doozies I (laughs) have absolutely read some a lot of them are are very vague Mm -hmm. a lot of them are just you know the number of ones that I've seen that were just like myocarditis 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 that's a very common i i have to say that that is the most common one that i have seen is myocarditis
0: really that's, uh, that's interesting
1: yeah. isn't it Yeah. that is quite it is quite vague though isn't it <laughs> it's incredibly vague and i'm like hey it's not the, it's
0: not the easiest diagnosis are, to come to either
1: arteriosclerosis would be a yeah close second but then there are some that are, like, real doozies where you're just, there are, I'm thinking about, like, the car accidents where the accident is very graphically described. In the early days when death certificates were just starting to be written was more around the turn of the century. So you don't even have cars yet, but you've got this guy, one of the more graphic ones I read was a guy who was a kid who was uh, dragged by a horse, Again, you're like okay wow the accidents are are pretty graphic when you read them especially when you read because as a doctor you know that there's the the line that says time mm-hmm. where you know onset, you know how much time it was you, know, you can have days hours whatever yeah. and when yeah. it says when it says instantaneous you're like <laughs> whoa you sort of <laughs> take a take a bit of a breath there I've had a (laughs) couple where I've had to um not many but there have been a couple where I've had to take a step back and be like okay wow I'm just gonna, gonna go get a drink that was that was a lot um but anyway what got me into genealogy actually was about in 2012 my grandfather died and when I was growing up My grandfather told all of these stories about our family history and how we were descended from John Alden of the Mayflower. And Americans will have heard about who that gentleman was, how we could trace the family tree back to Charlemagne because his father had done this huge genealogy. And I was like, like, (laughs) And I thought, you know, Ancestry will give you a free two-week trial. And I was like, I'm going to blow some holes in this one. (laughs) This can't possibly be true. You know, everybody thinks that. Mm -hmm. You think you're so fancy. But, you know, I bet you're just like a bunch of hobos. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out it's all legit oh goodness (laughs) all of the claims are completely true
0: i was considering our conversations i was not expecting you to
1: say that (laughs) no it's completely true all of my great-grandfather's research checks out goodness all of it checks out he so and you know he was doing research back in the day before computers obviously so like he did all of this by hand Way back in the day, but apparently like the 19 volume, whatever he did on the family, it it checks out. But during the process of trying to make my great-grandfather look like an idiot, (laughs) I got addicted to doing the research. And so then it just became this sort of all-consuming thing. But then what happened is because I got started with it kind of as a joke, I had been doing it all wrong. So, two years into it, I realized I had to start the whole thing over because I had made so many mistakes. I had made all of the mistakes that I tell people not to do. (laughs) I had done everything that I tell people not to do because I didn't know any better. Because I didn't think I was ever going to be serious about it. I thought I, you know, I just started it as a joke. But it was just the process of research itself just sort of like scratched a puzzle solving itch. You know, I always Mm -hmm. love puzzles and that kind of thing. And it it was just became obsessive. And so hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours working on my own family tree, everyone around me was like, really should make this a business because you're a crazy person. (laughs) Um, And I was like, oh yeah but what am I gonna do just like make ancestry trees for people like nobody not only to me didn't seem like anything anybody would want to pay for but also didn't seem very interesting and then I had the idea for the books I was you know a a while back before you know way before I even joined TikTok, I was on Genealogy Forum on Reddit and I saw somebody mention uh, that she did work for her own clients and she made books for them as part of like her package. And I was like, oh, and she showed just, you know, examples of her books. And I was like, I could do something way better than that because hers were just text, like mm-hmm. a rundown okay, of just, you know, like, this is who your ancestors were and like a blurb. And I was like, I could do something way more interesting than that. And like, I have an art background, like that's what my degree is in. That's what I studied in school. And I was like, I I could really, Mm -hmm. it all comes together. Go in on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I used my stepfather as a Guinea pig because then I'm not using my own family. I was like, so I did his as my first book. It turned out really well, so his was my sample, and so then I showed that off as you know, you know my sample. And my first couple of clients were friends, but it it took off fast. It took off really fast. I started the business in July of 2020, and in my first year, I made 10 books. So that's about as fast as a person <laughs> can work, yeah. considering how much time they take to research and write mm-hmm. that. That is as fast as one yeah. human being. Good effort. <laughs> can can work, yeah. And so now yeah, like I say, now I'm at the point where there's a legit wait list. So it really it blew up bigger than I could have expected.
0: So when you when you look at the history that you had, going back to um mm-hmm. Charlemagne, I mean that was done. That was put together before we had ancestry and these right. things which actually right. seems to me can really muddy the waters because i hear you talking a fair bit about not relying too much on what you can just see on ancestry yes. can you talk yes. about that a wee bit
1: yeah well i i talk about not relying too much on things like ancestry and things like family search and when i say that what i mean is don't rely too much on research that other people have already done like what i said is i you know, I was looking at my great-grandfather's research, but I was double-checking it, mm-hmm. which is what, yeah. you know, I think people should do. You know, if you see something, you should always validate Because people, when they say they go on Ancestry or they go on family search, usually what they mean is that they follow Ancestry's, like, hints or family FamilySearch's trees, and that is exactly what i did at the at first is i followed the hint system on ancestry and oh boy was that oh my gosh there were so many mistakes so many mistakes and i'm not necessarily talking about the side of the the tree that my great grandfather had already researched but you know say my mom's side that nobody had researched before when you rely on other people's research or you rely on an algorithm to give you clues you're not necessarily relying on your own skills on your own reading comprehension on your own problem solving skills to really evaluate the information and you know that's really what you need to do good research and i say a lot that the only things you need for genealogy are reading comprehension and basic math because you need to know can somebody have a baby when they're 75 Sure, and you need to know can you get married after you die (laughs) because these are mistakes you you would not believe how often I see those two specific mistakes Uh so just basic math like you know specifically with women in childbearing how old was she when she had that child did that marriage occur before or after they died (laughs) and you know reading comprehension in terms of things like where were they living at the time you know what occupation did this person have and so often people don't even necessarily look at the original document in front of them they'll look at just the hint that ancestry gives them which will give you sort of an abstract it'll give you an overview but if you don't go into it and see you know is this the right person are these the same siblings that he had back, you know, 10 years ago is does the occupation match? Does the location match? You know, things like that, because you can very often end up with things like the right name, wrong person problem.
0: Yeah. And I think it's very easy to want things to be what you're looking for oh gosh yes, and to yes, say well maybe yes, that's a mistake yes, you maybe want it to, yeah. yes,
1: exactly you want it to fit you want it to totally. fit so bad you <laughs> want it to fit so bad and so you want to like shoehorn it in because you're like if that's the right person then I can kind of make it work and then you look into it and like on a surface level, like it maybe works and you're like, Mm -hmm. this doesn't seem quite right. And there are kind of like a few discrepancies. And then you look into it and you're like, Oh, really doesn't (laughs) really. But when you really look into things, like I have found the most breakthroughs, like looking into side relatives, like looking into uncles and cousins and reading, wills and things like that things that people don't usually do because people often get hung up on tracing their direct ancestors yeah and it's like very often you can figure out who your grandfather was by sometimes looking at his other grandchildren so that would mean looking at your cousins like you know maybe they mentioned you know somebody in a document or maybe somebody lived with Somebody else in a census when you know multi generational homes were much more common even at the beginning of the twentieth century. Mm-hmm. So you know you have these things fit together. So you really have to look at entire families um, and not just your own direct ancestors. So when you when you start doing that and when you see things coming together, one of my most satisfying moments was. I was having so much trouble placing this one ancestor's father. I could not figure it out. I knew through a published genealogy who the candidates probably were, but I couldn't figure out which one of the brothers was his dad. And then I was reading through their wills and finally found (laughs) mention of his name And so this was like months of pouring through this stuff. And it wasn't even one of my direct ancestors, but it was just finally it clicked. And I was like, ah! So
0: satisfying. (laughs) It was so satisfying.
1: But that was, you know, when I was a baby genealogist, like Mm -hmm. really just starting to do the research. You know, I have more moments like that all the time now, but that was one of my first like, aha! Yes. Moments.
0: My mother-in-law is um, spends a lot of time on Ancestry and yeah. she's forever getting upset when she finds things that aren't right. So other family members, yeah. distant family members, putting names on photographs that she knows are wrong. <laughs> and she, right. you know, They're not yeah. right. And, and she gets very upset with that. And it's understandable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's all very yeah. well. I mean,
0: she knows a lot of it. She's 83. She remembers,
1: mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but an yeah.
0: awful lot of people throughout the world might be looking at that and then just taking
1: it as well, just
0: taking it as, uh, just
1: as an example for how this can be I was doing research for a client was going through and again things that seem like they should be right I was going through this client's tree on ancestry and you know I was trying to evaluate the ancestors and go through bit by bit and see who you know who the you know the chain of who should be there. Mm-hmm. And there was this one ancestor who seemed I couldn't figure out who, you know, the next guy should be. And so I always tell people not to look at other people's trees, mm-hmm. but I I looked up on Ancestry other people's trees just because nothing was coming up. So I thought maybe somebody else has information because i will i will do that sometimes look at it and see if somebody else has records saved because i'm not gonna, i'm not going to copy something down without any records but sure. sometimes something else will come up and there will be some records i found something that i could see immediately wasn't true i could see immediately that it was wrong over 2000 people had it saved
0: oh goodness
1: me <laughs> 2000 people had that person saved in their tree, mm. as the father of this individual. And I could tell on a glance that it was wrong. Mm. So, this is why I say when people say they use ancestry or family search, like, okay, but you can't. And when you rely too much on just one source, you know, like I mentioned, um, my mom's side of the family is Swedish. Mm-hmm. I used the Swedish National Archives there because ancestry just doesn't have it. So you say, you know, you get used to using one source and if you don't know how to just do research in general and how to evaluate information and how to find it, you only know how to hit the search bar in Ancestry, there's a lot that exists that you won't be able to find.
0: Sure. And, and find a grave as well. I've heard you talk about that and the, the same difficulties. <laughs> isn't that?
1: I, find a grave oh the bane of my existence oh no <laughs> I mean, well not really the bane of my existence but i would say that the suggest edits button on find a grave is my best friend <laughs> um that find a grave is volunteer run and most of the volunteers are just you know they're gene- they're amateur genealogists and there's nothing wrong with that but find a grave was never meant to be a genealogy website
0: Okay. It was always
1: meant to be a cemetery database. Mm-hmm. And if that's what you keep in mind, if you bear that in mind when you're looking at it and you are using it to find information about where someone is buried and what their grave is like, it's fantastic. It's wonderful. But if you look at find a grave and you're expecting to find information, genealogical information, it's sketchy <laughs> as hell. <laughs> okay, Because they don't have to document meant anything. They mm-hmm. don't have to have any verification. You know, you can suggest edits constantly and people can just say, no, 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 I know better. And it's like, mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I have added a lot to Find the Grave. I added my own family members in there, um, you know, just because I know them. Mm-hmm. And I have taken photos of graves in cemeteries near where my parents live in vermont because there's these tiny little cemeteries that nobody's photographed and if anybody ever sends me any edits to those graves i just i approve it because mm-hmm. i figure they know i don't know
0: they've gone to the trouble yeah. yeah
1: they've probably done the research on that individual i just took a picture now if you that's something you need to do in genealogy in general is just ask yourself, you know, what was the source intended to do? Yeah, You know, like, what what was this information intended for? And then what was the census intended for? The census was, you know, like, if you're looking at the census and trying to estimate somebody's birth date, well, the census was never intended to give you accurate birth information. That's, you know, an important thing to, Mm -hmm. to keep in mind with any source is to think about what the source was used for. So find a grave is awesome if you bear in mind that it's only supposed to be for looking at the grave. But if you are trying to use find a grave to find biographical information, it's a mess.
0: <laughs> so I see you replying to quite a lot of misconceptions over on TikTok. And uh, So what do, you, what do you fight against the most? What, do you find, what, what frustrates you the most about people's ideas when it comes to genealogy research?
1: Um, the one that I fight against the most has absolutely got to be the one that comes up over and over and over and over and over, and over again has got to be about um, DNA yeah. genealogy yeah. has got to be about the concept mm-hmm. of um, ethnicity testing, which is um, not great science. When you're looking at doing DNA genealogy, and you're looking at how the science of that works. The science is there to match your DNA against another human being yep. who's alive. And you want to see, are you related? That science is great. But when you first of all look at the concept of what does ethnicity mean in the first place, that is a very hazy thing. And secondly, trying to define that in terms of DNA, that gets even more complicated. And then if you want to talk about, okay, so first you've defined what is ethnicity. Secondly, you've defined how you want to break that down in terms of DNA. Well, then you get to the fact that the type of DNA that is used for DNA testing only holds about seven generations of information. So then how accurate is that? So it's not great science, And then you get to the fact that you have to have a sample population to test against. You have to be able to match. Does your DNA match these other people of the same ethnicity that you're talking about? And then you think about, okay, so who has done DNA testing that we can talk about? Well, that's all going to be people of European descent. So then... You get into the fact that people want to test for other things. People who are indigenous want to test. People who are in the United States who are the descendants of enslaved, people want to test, see where they come from. And the sample populations aren't there for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so you get to the fact that if you're like me, I... Um, of European descent, you can tell, my DNA will show me what town in Sweden my ancestors came from, which is bananas. <laughs> and people who are native can't find which tribe their ancestors mm. came from because the sample population doesn't exist. So trying to explain all of that in a one-minute video, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work. Mm. Especially... When people have conceptions about how the science should work, or you know how they think it works, especially because companies like Twenty Three and Me and Ancestry sort of keep things maddeningly vague, yeah, because that's how they sell it. Absolutely, you know, if yeah. they if people understood how hazy the science was, these companies wouldn't make as much money.
0: I mean, do you think do you think they are a big problem? Uh, or or do you think it's just a bit of
1: fun? Um, people talk about it being just a bit of fun. And, mm. you know, to me that that gets a little a little hazy when I see in my comments section white people saying, you know, oh, what's the big deal? It's just a bit of fun. And then I see people of color saying I can't find out where I came from
0: sure yeah that's where I was uh, that's where I was leaning towards there it's so I
1: I think well it's fun for you Mm -hmm. but there are legitimate problems here that need to be solved like you're having fun but you already know where you came from (laughs) yeah you know (laughs) like yes yeah you already you already know you you already can figure that out but Mm -hmm. you know why did you need to find out that you know you're 11 percent you know whatever you know why did you need to figure out exactly which breakdown of white that you are when somebody else really wants to use this technology to figure out just the basics of where they came from and they can't
0: and there's no information but
1: so that 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 to me is, is very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Again, that's one of those things where any you know, I post about that and inevitably I will get like comment after comment after comment where people will give me their entire genetic breakdown and I'm like I think you missed the point.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's very difficult to get that sort of nuance across in a in a one yeah. minute video. And and I, It really is. It's hard. It really is. And as you said, you know, as we were talking about TikTok before we started recording, and the comments very often are, you know, people haven't read the other comments, or it's not about the. Well, yeah, they haven't read the
1: other comments, (laughs) and it's just, you know, and also people who don't necessarily, who didn't necessarily get the point of the video, and just leave a comment for the sake of leaving a comment. Yeah. And, you know, that's fine when your audience is 10 people. <laughs> when you start gaining more followers and you get scores of them, it just becomes like, you know, okay.
0: <laughs> Don't be discouraged okay. though, because I do think I've learned loads from from your videos, no, particularly I, the, yeah, um, it's, the DNA it's, chat.
1: It's good though, because the other side of that though is, of course, once you sift through that, there are also more and more, really great comments. Like somebody asked a question that I couldn't answer there the other day. And just this morning, I noticed that somebody else provided links to that person's question. And I was like, oh, that's great. That's awesome. So hopefully, you know, like that person will be able to get some help from that. So, you know, that The upside, of course, is that, you know, more and more helpful comments get left and more and more encouraging things get left. It's just sifting through it.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's
1: just that process. So
0: in the the past, years ago, I dabbled in looking at my own family tree. Um, No royals so far. (laughs) <laughs> but i have um have been really lucky well
1: every every person of european yeah. is allegedly related to charlemagne so you know you've got yeah. some.
0: they're there i was just laughing at that um that comment i just made no royals because uh, we laugh together all the time about this this comment that we always get i make videos about yes. royal families and i get, always <laughs> get that's my relative and uh, that's yeah. quite funny but mm-hmm. just before i came mm-hmm. on to talk to you, I made a video which mentioned Henry VIII and somebody went in the comments and said, did you watch the program that was on in the UK last night? Who do you think you are? Do you have a, a similar program? It's a-
1: no, we but we do have Who Do You Think You Are. Right?
0: You, OK, you get that. OK, here. so yeah. one of our uh, young comedians, Josh Widdicombe, was on there last night and his was hilarious because he just there were so many well-known figures in his past and and his not his past but his ancestry uh going back I think I've not watched the last 20 minutes but I have a sneaky feeling it's going to end up at Henry VIII and so that made me laugh a little bit because like because obviously some people (laughs) can actually say for sure this is this is where i come from but
1: nobody is actually a direct descendant (laughs) of Henry VIII
0: What's um, well, yeah, or well, they'd be on the throne, I guess. But we're—I've—I've I've been really lucky, well, and, and it, yeah. it comes back to what you were saying. But I,
1: I do—I—I—I I, I actually, in one of my TikToks, made a joke—a joke about the descendants of Elizabeth the First Society because she didn't have any children.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say That's... there was one there.
1: <laughs> no. Mm-mm. <laughs> but then somebody came in and legitimately, I don't think this person knew that Elizabeth uh, okay. had any children, and was like, saying that they were descended from Henry VIII or Elizabeth I. And I was like, Oh, wow, somebody gave you bad information. <laughs> Well, this is' the, the
0: the problem is of course all the rumors so Elizabeth I, yeah. you know' people saying that she had a child with Dudley I think and so there will always but be so people who people, want to claim that so
1: many people will say mm-hmm. I am descended from so-and-so via an illegitimate child yes <laughs> and it's never true well how and can this you is prove one that? of the errors that I found in my home family tree mm-hmm. is that my maiden name is Buckingham our father first ancestor in the united states was this dude named thomas buckingham and he came you know from england and there was on ancestry a link from him to the dukes of buckingham via an illegitimate child however anybody who knows british history which is not most americans know that the Dukes of Buckingham, their actual surname was Stafford. They invented this illegitimate child to make a link. This illegitimate child didn't exist. I did the research and this is one of the mistakes that I was talking about that I made when I was just doing this for fun is I was like oh wow and then he was related to the Dukes of Buckingham and then I went back and did the research and went into the family of the Dukes of Buckingham. And I was like, I can't find any mention of this bastard son named George anywhere. <laughs> and so then I went back up the other direction. I was like, I can't find any evidence that this guy's dad was named George. And so it was like, this person literally didn't exist and was created because the family of Thomas Buckingham wanted to feel Fancy!
0: <laughs> I can completely understand how that would happen because, yeah, all of them—they were like they had their name, and then they were the Duke of right. Earl of something else, and the right. names they would stick, and yeah, right. that would be—and it would be very well, easy know, to it, fabricate.
1: You know, and a, I, appre- a, an but another, I appreciate that because sometimes before I got married, people who knew British history would it like look at me like I had personally killed the princes in the tower. (laughs) So I did not. Also, I did not build Buckingham palace. (laughs) Oh, so nor am I related to anyone who did because my ancestors immigrated before it was built. So Mm. (laughs) everyone who teased me in middle school. No,
0: that's a shame. My,
1: my ancestors were just like, nobody's they were just like some dudes
0: I actually quite enjoy the fact that when I look back through mine I haven't gone back that far but it's farm labourer on the same farm farm labourer farm labourer, farm uh-huh. labourer. I'm really lucky and it goes back to what you were saying earlier about there being the information there because right. um, in Scotland it, it is there and it's readily accessible. It's, it's nice and easy to find. But what have you found to be the most difficult things to find? I know you were talking about not knowing much about where to go in Nicaragua, I think was a question that you had. Nicaragua, so. yeah.
1: No, um, Cuba is mm-hmm. impossible. Okay. You cannot get anything in Cuba because Family Search is run by the Mormons who will send their missionaries everywhere on earth mm-hmm. to go and digitize records. Yep. But you obviously can't get into Cuba. So that hasn't been done. And they haven't done it themselves. So there's that. Um, so you can't like go on to like familysearch.cuba or whatever the equivalent. There's no Cuban site. Mm-hmm. Their records haven't been kept on a national level ever. They're only on the local level. And they're kept in the church parish. So to find your ancestor's record you need to know the town that they lived in and the church parish that they went to and you need to go in person fair enough so i had a client whose family was from cuba and before i knew about this i was like yeah i'll try to find your
0: oh (laughs) oh dear
1: (sighs) but i was stubborn And I went through every possible avenue that I could think of to find anything about her family. And I found on an ancestry message board written in Spanish, a guy who knew something about her great grandfather who had immigrated from Spain. To Cuba. Goodness me. Through the magic of Google Translate. Uh-huh. Able to find that guy and find him in Spain. So then I could find records in Spain. But I couldn't find anything in Cuba. So I had mm. immigration records in the United States for the grandfather. And immigration records, or rather, records in Spain for the great-grandfather. But I had nothing in Cuba. It was only through that one message board post in Spanish
0: <laughs> great tenacity though to find that
1: yeah 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 this is why people hire me yeah hire a professional <laughs> this is the service that I can offer is that I am stubborn and know how to just hunt things down <laughs> um, a lot of patience needed I think A lot of, yeah, a lot of patience is that I, you know, I have done things like spent eight hours going through the Hungarian national census from (laughs) 1869 to find one record. That was, that was a fun day. That Uh was a good day. That, that, That was, that was a long day. These are the things that I do. So, but that's, I mean, that's, that's what my job entails is Mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of time to find one piece of information, which I, I don't think people necessarily realize. Um, And when I hear people say like, I spent a weekend on Ancestry or I spent a couple months or, you know, people will say, I did the two week trial and got everything I needed. And I'm like, I, um uh, I'm going to go with no, <laughs> I did, you know, I did a month and I got all the documents that I needed and I'm like, that's not actually,
0: <laughs> yeah, t- turns out I'm descended from Elizabeth the first. How amazing is that? Yes,
1: exactly. I did a, I did a month on ancestry, and I'm part of the uh, Descendants of Elizabeth the First Society. And I'm like, that's that's good for you. That's that's wonderful. I'm very happy for you. Brilliant. But you know, I just that's that's wonderful. That's very very good. But I prefer you know chatting with people who you know tell me tell me stories about like. Uh, their great-grandfather who loved cheese. So, you know, that's...
0: (laughs) I don't think I'm going to be writing any death certificates again any day soon because I'm not in the hospital. But, yeah, I I kind of... I'd love the idea of someone sitting there thinking, what is she talking about?
1: (laughs) I have to admit that I always read them even when they're not relevant. They're the one that I always... If I find one, even if it's not someone that I'm researching, I am always reading the death certificates because they're fascinating
0: I do have a bit of a thing for census records as well I don't know what it is there's something about seeing the families grow from like you know over the 10-year period here and I I just love that
1: yeah the census the census records to me I don't I I don't know I guess I've just gone through so so many of them (laughs) that um I only get into them if they're specifically the family that I'm researching them but the death certificates I'm always and how did you <laughs> bite it, my fair sir? Funnily enough, and I'm really into happened that bit. And <laughs> you, person? I'm not even researching.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. Because I find the idea of pedigree collapse really interesting. Can you tell us oh, about gosh. that? Oh,
1: gosh. That one is pedigree collapse is fascinating. So what happens with pedigree collapse is when you think about your family tree, and this is really easy to think about for the first couple of generations, because you can, you can visualize it within your own family pretty easily. You know, two parents, four grandparents, eight great-grandparents. It's pretty easy to see. Mm-hmm. But when you start extrapolating that over many generations, you then have to realize that this can't go on indefinitely without an infinite number of people on the planet.
0: Mm-hmm
1: which there were not you don't have more people living in say the year 800 than there are now which there would need to be for you to have the number of ancestors that you would have that many generations out yeah so what happens is at A certain point, and I'm not gonna quote any specific numbers here because I don't remember the math off the top of my head. And if I get specific numbers, somebody is gonna come (laughs) here and correct me. And I'm nope, nope. Just say lots, (laughs) just say lots and lots. So so we're gonna say there's a point Mm -hmm. where it starts inverting, and you start getting a lot of cousin marriages. mm -hmm. The tree just starts going from the tree shape that we know to more of a diamond shape. When you think about it historically, and this is, of course, the very gradual thing, it's, you know, we're talking about over a period of time. We're not talking all of a sudden all of your cousins have married and then you don't have any more ancestors. This is over history. But when you think about it historically and then you think, well, when you get back to the idea that we all had one common ancestor, it would have to work that way. It would It would have to start going in if we were all going to converge because you you couldn't then have it go out forever and yet have that commonality. So it's really, really, really fascinating how that works. and I wish I understood the math of it better. And, of course,
0: our, the the, this, the information that we do get from DNA doesn't take us back
1: far no, enough. No, mitochondrial DNA. Yeah. The DNA that we get from our moms yeah. goes back thousands and thousands of years because that mutates so slowly. That will get us back real far. Mm-hmm. But nothing gets us back, you know, to the very beginning. And that will only ever tell us half of the story because that doesn't, that doesn't tell us anything about... That tells us who gave us our first X chromosome. If we're assigned female at birth, it doesn't tell us who gave us our second X chromosome. And if you're assigned male at birth, it doesn't tell tell you who gave you anything about who gave you your wife.
0: Mm-hmm. So fascinating. So
1: it's, it only tells who... You know, who was the egg donor? And that's really, really fascinating to think about. Like that my mitochondrial DNA is the same as my mother's, is the same as her mother's, is the same as my daughter's, you know, is that's really, really fascinating to Mm -hmm. think about. Nothing goes back to the very beginning and there's nothing that tells the full story because the autosomal DNA which is the combination only holds seven or eight generations of information so if
0: when you're looking through the records that you look at Mm -hmm. is there anything that you really wish we were better at recording is there anything that you sort of think well why didn't they ever take a note of this or that
1: do I think wish that they were better at recording oh it's a really good question
0: we hadn't talked about it before so uh, yeah <laughs> I've i wish that out you a were bit.
1: better why they did anything oh uh, okay I, I wish that i could um go back and ask there are many 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 places where i would like to um time travel and go excuse me sir um why? <laughs> Brilliant. Why? That's that's very much what I um, would like to know. I know that historians always recommend that people keep a journal for this reason, and I am horribly bad at it myself. But I do try to, you know, should we survive COVID and climate change and everything else, you know, mm-hmm. enlighten my Potential descendants somehow, but uh, I'm just as bad at it as my own ancestors were. They'll be just as befuddled by me, probably.
0: (laughs) My dad wrote a book about his life, uh, or at least he hadn't finished it. He was writing it when he passed away last year. No. and uh I, it's, well, I open it at the moment it makes me a bit sad but I think at some point well, it course, would be really good to course. sit down and because I think he put a lot of that into there and it, it does yeah. make so, it does make so much sense because I think there's a lot of things that I'll learn about yeah, where, yeah. how we ended up where we did and 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 his through because of his life yeah. so yeah it'd be good to um be good to have a look at that and I think there yeah. might be my,
1: wise. my grandmother wrote a sort of fictionalized version of part of her life story The thing is about that that's really funny is that English is not her first language and she's a terrible writer. (laughs) So it's so sweet and I have it, but it's like I haven't read it like as a book because Mm -hmm. I got through a little bit of it and I'm like, Oh man, I see why this was never published. (laughs) This was a thing that you did, (laughs) but you know, it was, I, I mean, it, was um it was very sweet and she sometimes visits me in the form of birds so i'm looking out my window to see if any uh birds are about to start sassing me
0: No, <laughs> now uh, maybe she doesn't she doesn't want to be on
1: air she'll come afterwards no she'll come later she'll come <laughs> later to to yell at me
0: mm-hmm. so this is the point in the warts and all history club where i ask my guests if you were going to meet up with all our listeners and followers and bring a history book or a movie or a podcast to share what would you bring along what would you like to share oh, with us
1: it. amadeus no question. okay no question <laughs> that has been my favorite movie since i was eight years old i was a strange child <laughs> no comment um, i wore out a copy of it to the point where I asked my grandfather to make me another copy. And he said, no, you need to watch another movie.
0: Oh, no, VHS, presumably.
1: On BHS, you could, yeah. you could I mean, wear those out. 80s. couldn't you? It was the eighties. Yeah. Oh yeah. You
0: can yeah. wear them out. I've, um, we just sort of had a collection. We kept them and, um, went back to look oh this will be fun and we couldn't actually see any of it even though we had a player (laughs) because it was all like yeah that's probably because i watched this movie five million times in the the 90s yeah yeah
1: yeah. well well, now i have i i have the director's cut on dvd Mm -hmm. and i have it downloaded on you know apple movies on my ipad it's my (laughs) it's it's my all-time favorite it's it's my favorite it's you know my comfort movie where you know i just need Something in the background, or just mm. something to have to zone out for a little bit. So, yeah, you know, let's kill Mozart again.
0: <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. Oh, you've got me thinking now. I haven't done a Mozart video.
1: Well, um, his death is great. Yeah, I, forgot so you I had... should.
0: <laughs> I I I had your looked into it a while is awesome. ago. Yes, I'm going to uh, right, I shall do that. I shall order order in some popcorn and when the club finally mm-hmm. gets together we can uh, we can sit down and watch that together. Yeah. I have been so fascinated by your videos and also being able Thank to chat you. a little bit more about the various um, aspects of what it is that you do and um, I really appreciate you coming on to have a chat. It's been great.
1: Yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm going to have some
0: show notes on my website at susieedge.com, And so I'll pop on there uh, your details and your business details, your website, where everybody can find you. But in the meantime, just listening to the podcast, where will people be able to find you?
1: Um, You can find me most easily on my TikTok, which is at redsonika, R-E-D-S-O-N-I-K-A. And my website is Founding Mothers Genealogy, all one word. Um, and yeah, those are the those are the two places to find me. I experimented with other social media for my business, and nothing else took off. I mean, it was funny. Like with you know, people told me to do Instagram for my business. People told me to do Twitter, to do Facebook, and I put so much effort into all of it. And what kept happening is I found other genealogists, but no potential clients.
0: Yes, absolutely. And um,
1: I was like, that's great.
0: Yeah, it's not Um, what you need.
1: (laughs) Not what I need. And so I just kind of my accounts on all of those are very stagnant. So the places to find me are TikTok or just my business website.
0: But if somebody wanted uh, wanted you to help with their family search or wanted was interested in one of your amazing-looking books, you've got a bit of a waiting list at the moment?
1: I do have a wait list, but you should absolutely get in touch with me. Um, just go to my website. There, My email's there. There's just, like, a regular form to get in touch with me. Brilliant. Um, because, yeah, it's, it's worth getting in touch because who knows? Who knows? You know, somebody could drop off the website or drop off the wait list at any time. Who knows? So you should absolutely get in touch. Uh,
0: and do, because uh, Sonia definitely has the skills and the experience. Um might be a bit difficult if your family's from Cuba, but uh, it sounds like she's <laughs> got like like ways around that as well. Cuba. Um,
1: but <laughs> an idea of my background. Um, my family is um, colonial America, um, Jewish, German and Swedish. And I've worked with clients. I've worked with quite a lot just coincidentally a lot of jewish eastern european clients that's just coincidence that that's Mm. um what i've worked with quite a bunch i've worked with clients let's see slovakia uh mexico the one that i mentioned that was cuba slash spain man now i'm gonna have to just look at the books this one was the american south italy that was Eastern Europe, Eastern Europe. The American South, going back to the French Huguenots. Huguenot. I don't know. I'm American. I don't know. <laughs> it makes my border
0: farming family from Scotland for the last however many hundred years sound a bit dull. So that sounds a uh, So sounds yeah,
1: that's, those are the things that I've already worked with. And I'm mm-hmm. alway, always, always, always happy to learn new things. I'm always happy to... Research new places, learn new things. Um, always thrilled to have a chance to try something new. So um, even if I, your family isn't from one of those things that mm-hmm. I just mentioned, absolutely get in touch. If I refer you to somebody else because, say, I can't read Cyrillic, I had to, <laughs> I had somebody contact me about recently about something specific. Very specific, having to deal with Russian ancestors, where I referred them out just because I can't read Cyrillic. You know, I will also go to, I will try to help you find someone who can help you. So um, absolutely get in touch. If I can't help you, I will try to help you find someone who can.
0: And I am going to let you go because I think you've got a fair bit of work to do before the uh, before the kids go home. <laughs> I have
1: so much to do. Oh, oh, my goodness. I do. And eventually I have to retrieve my children because they don't like it when I leave them there.
0: <laughs> well, that's fair enough. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been fab.
1: Yeah. All right. It's been great. Okay. All right. I'm going to stop that
0: there. Okay. And we're done. Thanks for listening to the What's and All podcast thank you to Sonia that was a really interesting chat loved all the the interesting little nuggets Uh, you've really got me interested in looking at my family history again so now that the nights are getting cold and dark and miserable here uh, what am I talking about they already were (laughs) Uh, we had our first snowfall a couple of days ago so it's time to light the fire and, and snuggle down into that sort of thing now I think What's coming next for the Warts and All podcast? Well, I've got a choice. I've got a list. Maybe you can say which one you'd like. I've got on my list, what is there? There's the story of Burke and Hare. There's the plague, the Black Death. There's, oh, I'm going to look at how the people on the Titanic and the white ship disaster met their end in the cold waters. So lots of physiology and medical stuff in that one to come. And if you'd like any of those or something else, then just give me a shout and I'll see what I can do. You can check out Sonia's website, foundingmothersgenealogy.com. If you're interested in her doing some research for you or helping you with something, then give her a shout. Please do. Now, if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me at my website, suzieedge.com. And from there are all the links to all the other things going on. But directly, you can go to TikTok at suzieedge, Twitter at suzieedge, Instagram at suz.edge. And I'll put some show notes from this episode onto com. This has been the Warts and All podcast, written and produced by me, Susie Edge, with the artwork by Catherine Edge. I'm going to be on holiday with my family next week, so we'll maybe see you the following Friday. Bye for now.